what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is an absolute beast from the New York football giants, Nico Lalos. He's a defensive lineman, just graduated from Dartmouth College. Now he's a member of the NFL with the New York Giants. An absolutely phenomenal pass rusher, athlete, and excited to sit down with him and show you guys the conversation. You know, he's a very, very educated um, hardworking athlete, and I really enjoyed the conversation. With that said, I also have a pretty big announcement before the episode starts. So we are taking a little bit of time off. August 12th, I will be back with new episodes starting every Wednesday. Still the same schedule, but taking two weeks off because sports are about to come back. So when you come back, that's the heat of the season. You know, baseball is going to start being back in swing. NBA playoffs will be started up, and there'll be a lot more to talk about. A lot of interviews coming up too as well, but in the meantime, time taking a little bit of time off and i hope you guys enjoy this week's episode and yeah quick word from our sponsor anchor and then nico lolos what is up welcome to ambitious my name is dylan price today's guest was all ivy league first team last year division one all new england team and received phil Steele's all ivy league first team honors for playing defensive end he finished in the ivy league's top five in sacks and top five in tackles per loss. An absolute standout for Dartmouth College. Now a member of the New York Giants. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome pass rusher, the beast from the East, Nico Lalos. Nico, how's it going? Good. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on. So starting with this year's draft, obviously incredibly unique year. What was that process kind of like for you? Um, it was pretty interesting. I mean, with everything going on, you just kind of had to try and stay the path, stay the course with everything. Um, so for me, um, I was kind of training for pro day out in the greater Boston area. And then once the kind of like the pandemic really started to unravel, uh, I had to move back home to Ohio because everything started, that's when everything started shutting down. Um, but luckily for me, my, uh, one of my neighbors had like a pretty decent um, home gym. So he'd let me uh, come to his basement and work out. Um, and then during that time, I just kind of like kept in contact with different teams that uh, were calling me um, throughout the spring. Uh, and then just kind of kept my phone by me on draft day and uh, things worked out that the, uh, just thankful that the uh, Giants were able to call me and pull the trigger. Now, what was it like receiving interest from the New York Giants, and ultimately, what made them the right fit for you? Um, well, for me, uh, it kind of started out with uh, just kind of different people in their organization and coaching staff just kind of reaching out and introducing themselves. And then um, what I thought was really cool that I thought would be a great fit is a couple of their coaches um, used to be players for my defensive end coach, or defensive line coach at Dartmouth back when um, back when they used to play before they got into coaching. So um, it was really cool to kind of have that, like, common connection um, and then uh, just hear about, like, the, the similar coaching styles and personalities. So um, it kind of felt like it would be a good fit for me and kind of just hopefully just another extension of my time at Dartmouth where I learned a lot as a person and a football player. Now, shifting gears a little bit here, and we'll get back to the New York Giants and Joe Judge and the fit there. Shifting back to before even at Dartmouth, going back to high school at St. Vincent St. Mary High School, what was that 
experience like playing football there? And ultimately, what was the experience like leading up to getting recruited and ultimately ending up as a member of Dartmouth's football program? Um, uh, it was a great experience. It, I loved I loved it more than anything. Um, what I thought was cool was that um, it being the alma mater of LeBron James, he kind of, I think, set this precedent of, of greatness. And I think when I – I remember being a freshman there, like the school really only celebrated like state championships. It was like you – state championships are bust. And so that was kind of like – created a really strong winning mentality when it all costs. Um, and I think like even like a lot of the other teams, not just football and basketball, but like all the other teams, both boys and girls embodied it. So it was a really fun experience just to be around uh, a school that like took school, like academics seriously, but also took um, athletics seriously. All the other students were very um, supportive of each other. And then, so going throughout uh, high school, there was a lot of, uh, like, guys that I got to play with, like Paris Campbell, who's currently on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he was about two years older than me. Uh, we won a few state championships together, and he ended up going, uh, like, to Ohio State. So there's some other big-time names that kind of draw that drew in a lot of the, uh, the coaches from around the country and then kind of helped us put uh, – St. Vincent St. Mary on the map as a football school, uh, not just a basketball school. Now, looking back at your time there, you talked about a winning mentality. What is the environment kind of like at that school coming from a school that is it bred one of the greatest basketball players of all time? What is the kind of atmosphere like and environment? Um, I'd say uh, just like the, the competition element to it, like, I think at a very young age, when I was like 14, I learned how like when you got onto the court or got onto the field, like anything went. But as soon as you got back into the locker room or you saw each other in the hallway, like you guys were, everyone was friends, and like there was it like there was separate there was sep separate entities like nothing carried over, um, and like came off the field with you, and so I think that's what uh, is a really key like attribute to really carry with you, especially at this high level of the game. Cause like at this point, um, I mean, every, everyone's trying to do their best and be the best and compete for spots. So, I mean, I think it's good to kind of like build relationships along the way. So being able to have that switch that kind of turn it off and turn it off, turn it on and turn it off. Um, I think was really nice to learn uh, at a really young age. And like a lot of the coaches um, like, Drew Joyce um, was my basketball coach. He also coached LeBron. Like, he was probably one of those guys that, like, was able to then still and teach me, like, that level of play and competition and physicality and then still take care of business and do what I need to do off, off the court or off the field. Very, very cool. Now, when training with a coach who trained – one of the greatest, what was his kind of precedent and standard for you guys in terms of how hard you guys trained, how hard you guys worked out? Um, it was, it was always high. Like it, it's, it's just always interesting to be, that's what I'm looking forward to about being like with the New York giants is like when you've had greats come before you and you have coaches that have seen that level of greatness, it, 
whenever you're out there and they're coaching you, they can always point out like, Hey, like if you want to reach that level of greatness, like you got to do this, this, and this, like, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be like, and they have the ability to help fill that gap because they've seen what it takes. So I think that's the precedent that at least coach Drew set. And I know a lot of other coaches try to help their players reach their, their, their potential. Now, going back even earlier than high school, when was the moment you realized football was for you, and how did basketball also play into your football success at a young age? Um, Probably when I was about five or six, um, I realized I really loved football um, because I was always, like, one of those bigger kids um, for my age group growing up, and I was – tried to have my mom like like I try and sneak some papers around to like kind of get her to forge my age so I could play tackle football because uh in my in my era you had to be eight to play tackle football but like I was like oh I want to play tackle football I want to play tackle football and that's kind of when I realized like this is this is my one true love like my first love at first sight if you will and then the basketball part came in like just being that taller kid than the rest of my age group I just kind of was kind of pushed into basketball and then I enjoyed it because it was like a winter sport something to keep me occupied in the winter and then when I got to high school um, I think it really helped me kind of like being able to play both sports they kind of showed some crossover in between the two of lateral quickness and just having quick feet and being agile and trying to hang with the high flyers that can jump out of the gym and then taking it to the football field and using that same agility and athleticism to try and stand out. Now, you just touched on using that same athleticism and agility to stand out, and I was watching a little bit of tape prior to this interview, and you're a very, very underrated pass rusher, and I'd like to shout you out on that. But I feel like it's definitely something that, obviously, the New York Giants saw why wanting to make you part of the organization, but it feels like you're very slept on and you're also a slept on player that could definitely make an impact on the Giants team this year. So kind of transitioning to that a little bit, how do you feel you're going to fit into the organization right away? Um, I mean, I've just kind of like, I haven't really thought about like those kind of things of whether I'm like slept on or not. I mean, obviously coming from a small school, like I'm not on ESPN one or like ABC prime time. But I mean, like, I'm just thankful that I'm even ha- have the opportunity to show my true potential. So, I mean, going forward for me, I'm just kind of trying to keep keep my head down and do what I'm asked and kind of like just make sure I'm ready for when the opportunity comes. Because um, like uh, like like you said, I mean, uh, I'm uh, I'd say I'm a relatively younger, like in my in my football pass rushing ability game like I didn't play defensive end until I got to college um in high school I played wide receiver tight end uh and linebacker but I never really like rushed the passer that much until I got to college so I mean um definitely a little bit behind but I'd say I just have more room to grow so I'm just trying to do what I can to maximize my growth I'm not really trying to set any um crazy goals or expectations now 
you ended up at Dartmouth, which is a very prestigious school, an Ivy League school. So evidently you are a very, very smart individual. So what what led you to Dartmouth from the academic standpoint? Because a lot of what we talk about in this podcast is evidently sports. But what led you to Dartmouth in terms of academic capability? So say football doesn't work out. Why was Dartmouth the academic fit? Um, My mom was probably the the greatest proponent of that when I was going through my high school recruiting process. Um, she's a high school teacher. And so growing up uh, in a single parent household, she always preached like education and homework, making sure uh, I was doing the right things um, in school. Um, so when it kind of came around to football, like and looking at what schools I wanted to go to, I kind of got to go to all the big schools first. And then my mom was like, all right, like I want to, I want you at least just check out a couple schools that I want you to see. And Dartmouth was one of them. Um, and so she she made a trip. She planned a trip out, and we just went up one summer. Um, and I ended up liking it, and I kept them around throughout the process. And then I ended up going on a, a official visit um, and just kind of really started to fall in love with it. But um, it was pretty much more so my mom, though, that she was kind of she she's the one who wanted me to go to like a, an academic institution like that. Um, I was more of like trying to go to like a big school, like any other high school kid. You always, mm-hmm. most kids try to go to like the biggest, um, flashiest school. Yeah. Now, I guess a little bit of a deeper question here, but how do you feel being raised in a single mother household kind of lit a fire underneath you to, be better and not only that but also be more driven and diligent in terms of chasing your dreams in order to not only better your life but also better her life um i think just like anyone else i know a lot of other guys um in my position kind of come from the same background and i think the thing that we can kind of share is like you kind of just have a different kind of closer relationship with with your mom or dad when you're in a single parent household and they make a lot of sacrifices for you to, to try and like raise you and make the best life they can for you. And I think being, having that close relationship, you kind of see those sacrifices like very up close and personal. Um, so I'm, for me, like um, it's just all those just being thankful for the decisions my mom's made to kind of like better my life the best she could. So it's like, I just want to make those sacrifices worth it and try and give back to her as much as I can. Cause she's probably like, you just get to see a lot of parents just, they work their hardest for their children and it, it means the world to try and give it back to them. Cause when someone uses, spends all their time on you, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Time is the only thing that keeps us all the same. So um, just, just that, that time aspect and, being able to kind of make up for it in, in, in that regard. What an answer. That was an incredible answer. And so props to you. Very, very good answer. Now, in that same regard, would you say that she's had the biggest impact on your development as a person and also your football development? Um, yes. Um, yes and no. Um, Growing up, I mean, she wasn't always uh, the biggest fan of me playing football. I think that's part of the reason why she wanted me to go to like a really smart school because she'd always, she's always afraid like oh like if I'd get hurt or something, then 
than what. So she always was like, um, education will last forever. But um, she always supported me, even even if because she knew it was something I wanted to do. But from a um, a football aspect, I mean, there was always I always had a special connection with my cro- my my coaches growing up from um, whether it was little league, pee wee, to high school to even college. I think. One of my biggest um, mentors, if you will, was my college coach, the my D-line coach in college. Now, what kind of lessons did he teach you and that you believe are going to kind of carry over to the next level? Um, it's funny. He, I'd say he taught me more life lessons, just how to be a man, how to be an adult be responsible and and be mature and I think um in doing that I was able to to grow as a football player and take on more responsibility and become um the the best player he was trying to make me um it wasn't so much um like specific moves or techniques it was just kind of just this very simplified way of playing of just making up your your mind and sticking with it and going with your instinct and just becoming a student of the game and kind of minimizing the thought process and what goes into it that way you can just play as fast as possible. Yeah, I truly feel like that's kind of the best mark of a true coach because any talented football mind can sit there and give you the technical information you need to have success and they can advance you as a player but if they don't advance you as a person, you're going to be far behind everybody else. And I feel like that's a good mark of your coach and a good mark of an individual to be able to recognize that as well. Yeah, I would agree. Now, we've kind of alluded to the what if. What if you had not ended up with the New York Giants and ended up in pro football? What was the other option had it not worked out following your graduation from Dartmouth? For me, um I'm one of those guys that never has a plan B because I think it distracts from plan A. Um, So for me, I just kind of put all my marbles into it and thought like, if it doesn't work out, like it's okay because you gave it everything you had. I'd much rather be in that, in that situation. So I never actually put any thought into like, what, what if it was more like, Oh, like, if I come to that bridge, like I'll cross it when I get there. But um, I'd much ra- I'd like sleep more soundly at night knowing I gave it everything I had and it didn't work out rather than, okay, I have this backup plan, but what if I would have gave it my all? Like, do you think things would have ended up differently? Now, had, how far did you end up for preface before I continue on with the question? How long did you end up playing basketball? Um, I played from, um, like third grade all the way through my senior year of high school. Now, was there any part of you that ever thought basketball could be, uh, option professionally or even at college? Um, no, I always knew in the back of my head that football was going to be the one thing because I remember having this conversation with, uh, one of my coaches in, in high school because a few like smaller schools at the time were asking about me for 
basketball and he's like oh don't worry like he's a football guy and he asked me about it and he's like and I was like I don't know because I was only like a freshman or sophomore at the time and I didn't I didn't really know any better and and then he made the point like when when something sucks really bad and and everyone else is going to hate it and want to quit and stop like which sport would you stick with and for me it just goes back to like those those little peewee days when I was just trying to sneak in to the local peewee practice of like some seven and eight year olds when I'm only five or six. So I, it, it never really crossed my mind that I like wanted to ever play basketball at a higher level. But if it came to the point where like, Hey, like we'll give you um, a, like a dual scholarship or something then I'd like, I, I, I might entertain the idea, but I was always football first. For the love of the game, they say. So, who is Nico Lalos off the gridiron? Um, off the gridiron, um, I don't know. Recently, I've just kind of been a very, uh, I guess, a homebody. <laughs> uh, I wake up at five a.m., which is a new, a new found hobby of mine that I enjoy doing. I think it's just, I don't know, it's something about waking up early. I've just enjoyed. Um, so I wake up early, go to bed early, play video games. I do my workouts. I study and that's it. I mean, I don't, I don't really like to watch TV. I like to play, play cards. Um, I'd say whenever I'm like with my friends, but, um, I guess as of right now that I'm hoping to kind of morph into a, uh, a new identity as I, um, try and become, uh, a professional athlete and work up to the the level of everybody else. Well, two little nuances of what you just said. First, homebody. I think everybody in the country has developed into a homebody after this uh, yeah. past few months. And then as for the professional athlete aspect, Nico, you're doing it. You When do you go yeah. to training camp? Um, supposedly in a week um, was is the aiming point. So we'll see what happens. They just kind of play it by ear. So within potentially a week, you are a professional athlete. I mean, you already are. So, I mean, you're jumping into the fire, and I think you're going to have a lot of success. With that said, looking into that future now, now that you're, you've gotten to this point, what is a 10-year goal for you? Actually, let's start five-year, and then we'll go 10 years. So five-year goal for you now that you're here. Um, I mean – Five-year goal, just be uh, a five-year football player. Ten-year goal, be a ten-year football player. Like, those are very boring answers. I'm sorry, but, I mean, <laughs> I haven't really put that. Um, I'm kind of more like one-day-at-a-time kind of guy. Um, just kind of make each day better than the last one. Um, and over time, that, that creates – uh, success. So, I mean, I just kind of, that's always been my, my MO. So I'm just kind of sticking to that. I actually don't think that was a boring answer at all. I think it was a pretty insightful, real answer. Cause you have guys who will just say, you know, I want to win a ring. I want to, you know, be an all-star or all pro. I want to make a pro ball. I want to do this. I want to do that. And just saying, yeah, I just want to be a fixture in the league. I feel like you're looking at it with a sense of realism that may give you better success down the line and may get you to that level. So props to you for that. Thank you.
Now, talking about when it's all said and done, this is one of my final questions here, but when it's all said and done and you do ultimately hang up your cleats and call it a career, which is looking incredibly far down the road, but what is the legacy that you wish to leave on and off the field? Um, I just kind of want to be like uh, an inspiration. I mean, a lot of my friends and people close to me just know about my background and upbringing and, and just what I've kind of gone through to get here. And a lot of people didn't think I'd even make it this far. And so I'm just trying to, I mean, make my own dream happen and hopefully it can kind of just maybe inspire one other person to strive for theirs. So, um, when it's all said and done, hopefully I can accomplish that to say the least. Um, but yeah, I think that that's about it. Very, very good answer. Now, my final question for you, a little bit of a weird one here. If you could be a boat, what kind of boat would you be? A boat. Ooh, this is, this is, this is a, a new one. I've never heard this question in my life before. <laughs> let me, let me think about this. this is an interesting question, actually. Let me think one second. No problem. Take all the time you need. A boat. Uh, if I could be any boat. Um, wow, this is actually tougher than I thought. I guess if I could be any boat, I'd probably be the boat from that Forrest Gump bot that he turned into <laughs> Bubba Gump Shrimp Company because he it it symbolizes that he had a plan and he stuck to it and he had a promise to his his buddy Bubba and he got home and he followed through with it. That it, be that, boat. that happens to be probably the best response I have ever gotten to that question. I had to think about it. That was a very, very, very good answer. <laughs> Thank you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, proving the doubters wrong, a bubblegum shrimp boat was his answer. For the love of the game, Nico Lalos. Nico, where can the people find you? Uh, currently in the great city of Akron, Ohio. And then social medias, where can they find you on there as well? Uh, first initial, last name, um, uh, 90 on Twitter or Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram. Just first initial, last name. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beast. He is a member of the New York football giants, Nico Lalos. Thanks again, Nico. Thanks so much, Dylan. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. My thanks go out to Nico Lalos. What an interview. What a guy. Excited to see what he does in his future. I also want to thank you guys, the listeners. You guys have stuck with me when the industry standard, I talked about this the other day, has been not the best for podcasting, and I can't thank this audience enough. I mean, my ratings have continued to be prevalently 
great. I don't even know the right words to use. You guys have been incredible, and I hope that you guys have been able to get an escape from reality during quarantine, during COVID, during your summer vacations, everything, if there are vacations this year. But I hope this podcast has been that for you. So a little bit of a break, but we'll be back August 12th with new episodes, new content, new interviews, new faces, new fresh voices, because there's no faces in podcasting. But I hope you guys enjoy that, and we'll be back with sports back as well. Basketball will be back in a bubble, and MLB will be back, MLS, NHL. Life will be starting to go back to normal, and we'll be back August 12th. Hope you guys enjoy. Love you guys, and we'll be back soon.